Good morning. Can you hear me now? Am I on? All right. Last time I preached, it wasn't the sound guy's fault. I had my microphone in my pocket. Do you remember that? You know, I was just really touched uh, by the songs that we sang this morning and the children's message. And I could probably not even have to preach the message this morning for us to walk away this morning with an understanding that God loves us and that no matter what is going on in our life, help is on the way. I just want us to start off this morning, and I didn't plan on doing this, but this is kind of one of those things that just an inspiration that came to me. I want to invite you to close your eyes, and in this safe place, inside yourself and your relationship with God, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you all those, or just something in your life that's scary, a fear that you have that's big, it's bigger than you, it's, it's bigger than life, it's bigger than your own ability, it's bigger than your own personal networking. I just want to invite you to lift that up before the Lord and ask Him to remove that fear from you. Then I'm going to say a prayer over us and we'll begin this message. Father, all of us in this journey of life, face situations and scenarios that evoke all kinds of emotions inside of us. Some are positive, some are negative, but the good news is that when we come into relationship with you, no matter what, you are at work for our good to bring to fruition the call that you've placed on our lives. God, would you give us ears to hear the voice of the Father? And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I'd like to invite you to grab your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33. Jeremiah, chapter 33. And this text is a special blessing to me. And I, not just to me, but I think anybody who's going through a difficult time in life where things in your life seem to be unsettled. And maybe that's being just a little bit too polite. Maybe we should even go so far as to say things in your life are literally unraveling around you and you don't know what to do with it anymore. In fact, you might not even know how to take the next step. And I don't know about you, but how many of you have had scenarios like that in your life where it just seems like things just have unraveled around you? No matter what you've done and you've been overwhelmed with all kinds of feelings. And the point is this, is that whatever the situation was, wherever you found yourself, the situation was bigger than you. Our text this morning, I think, is one of those texts in the Bible that's bigger than life. I think it's one of those passages in Scripture that's bigger than life itself. It's bigger than anything or anyone that we may ever even find ourselves up against. And let me give you just a little bit of history to remind us. Uh, of what's really going on in Jeremiah's life when this passage is written. First of all, he's, he's a prophet of God, a prophet of God who has a very specific call on his life that Kent shared with us last week while he was still a young man in his mother's womb, he was called. He responds to this call in his late teens or, or early 20s. And he finds himself in the midst of great need for crying out loud. He's in prison. And not for the first time, for the second time. And while he's in prison, the Bible says the word of the Lord comes to him. And I think the thing that kind of bewilders 
us a little bit and that gets a little murky is that Jeremiah is in prison not because he's lived a life contrary to the will of God. He's in prison because he's lived a life that's walked in obedience to the call of God on his life. And it's here. It's here in the midst of these troubled and murky waters that God visits Jeremiah a second time to remind him of the greatness of the love that he has both for him and the people of Judah. And it's during this time, this time of imprisonment in the midst of the darkness and the murkiness of life that God gives Jeremiah this great invitation to approach him with the promise of a surrendered heart that's invited to cry out, to the throne room of God. Follow along with me as I read from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, the first three verses, verses 1 through 3. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the guard. That court of the guard is literally the prison court of the guard. And thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. And this is our focus verse, verse 3. Call to me, and I will answer you, and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. May the Lord Jesus bless the reading of his word to our hearts and minds are in this our Lord's day. You know, while Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the Lord gave him this message. The Bible says in the midst of a very dark time in his life, the word of the Lord came to him and extended to him an invitation to cry out to him, to to call out to him. And when I look at Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, I like to think of Jeremiah 33, 3 as as God's phone number. And... uh, I don't know if you've ever had to dial 91 or if you've watched any of the television shows where TV or on TV where people who are in emergency situations dial 911. Uh, it's a time where emotions can sometimes be way out of control. And what amazes me about the 911 system is that there's this extensive networking that's in place to ensure that everything that needs to happen and everyone who needs to be involved is coordinated together to meet the need of the person who's crying out by dialing 911. Just the other night, that big storm lightning struck our house, and I was downstairs, and I had my little Yorkshire Terrier on my lap, and it was so strong, man, it took out three televisions, it took out our washing machine, our garage door opener, blew holes in the gas lines inside my house. He said, we were lucky that it didn't explode. I didn't even smell it. My smeller doesn't work. And Terry woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning. She says, man, I I think I smell gas. So they came out and they put a padlock on our gas tank. So we're with cold water right now. So things happen sometimes. But I knew that when I called, I wanted to call the fire department, but I didn't want to call the emergency line because I knew if I called the emergency line, the police would be networked in, the paramedics would be networked in, the fire department, that all of these people would be showing up in our cul-de-sac. And so I called the non-emergency line. I said, hey, we've been hit by lightning. Could you give me some coaching and some things to do and to look for? And he did. But here's my understanding of what happens when you dial the 911 emergency number. First, you're instantly connected to a dispatcher. And in front of that dispatcher, the one who answers your call, there's this readout list. 
This readout list comes up, and when it comes up, your name's there, your address is there, the names that are attached to that address is there, and your telephone number is listed. And then you're also networked into the police, the fire department, and the paramedics, who themselves are listening in and ready response to be dispatched to the phone number and the address to which that phone number is attached to. And here's the thing. All of them are willing to come just as fast as they can to respond to your cry when you cry out and you dial 911. I believe the same thing when I read this passage of Scripture. I believe the same thing applies to our spiritual lives and our relationship with God. Each time a surrendered heart cries out to God and he dials Jeremiah 33.3, Call unto me. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. I think all of heaven's resources are made available to us when we do that. And there are times in our lives when we find ourselves facing circumstances that can wound us so deeply. That even though we find ourselves in need, we don't even know what the next step is. We don't know, we don't know how to ask. We don't know how to cry out because we're really, truthfully, we're really unsure as to whether or not anything's even going to work. We can be wounded that deeply. Have you ever been there? I know a number of you have. We can be so overwhelmed with the situation or the problem that what, what happens is that the obstacle, the problem becomes bigger than our faith and bigger than our understanding of God. And we began to drown. When a caller dials 911, oftentimes they're not always able to clearly communicate or describe what the problem is. If you've ever seen, you know, Bad Boys, that show that used to be on TV or some of those 911 shows, people are screaming, they're hysterical, and the people at the other end, the dispatcher on the other, other end is just cool and calm and collected. And the reason why is that even though the, the situation seems to be out of control on the end of the line where the person's making the call, I want us to focus on the cool, calm, and trained response of the dispatcher. And here's why. When people call in with crisis to the 911 line, The people on the other end are overwhelmed with their emotions. They're screaming. And the dispatcher knows that they really don't need to know everything about the person. They don't even need them to explain everything. And here's why. They know it's an incomplete picture anyway. Even if they explain it the best that they can. There are pieces of the puzzle that are still going to be missing in the picture. But you see, the dispatcher knows that the person in need crying out, they know something that they don't. From the very second that 911 was dialed, help to meet their need was already on the way. The fire department was listening. The paramedics were listening. The police were listening. Everybody that needed to be involved, everything that needed to be shared, had been sent out to this vast network so it could be assessed and targeted just to the need of the person who cried out to dial 911. In our own lives, there are times when Our desperation and pain from the things in life are so real and so overwhelming that when we reach out to God, what we need to do, we just need to think. I think we need to think of Jeremiah 33 as God's rendition of 911. When trouble comes your way, grab God's book. Turn to Jeremiah 33.3 and dial that number. Dial Jeremiah 33.3 where he says, call to me. And I will answer you. 
and tell you great and mighty things that you've not known. You know, when I find myself surrounded by circumstances that are bigger than me, and when I look out over this crowd, a number of you are old enough to know that you don't get, throughout, you don't get through life without facing circumstances that are bigger than yourselves. I've learned to turn to the one who's bigger than all my problems. I've learned to look up his number in my Bible and call out his promise in Jeremiah 33.3. Hear this promise again. Call to me and I will answer you. Say that with me. Call to me and I will answer you. Sometimes we're overwhelmed in life and sometimes we don't know the words to speak, but God knows. He knows us. He knows you and and all there really is to be known about you. He even understands the things about yourself and, and myself that we don't understand. And I love the concept that God knows my name. He just doesn't know me. He just doesn't know about me. But he attaches my name to it. He's the one that made you. He's the one that formed you. And established you in the earth. To be a representation of his kingdom. I don't know, but I just feel led this morning to encourage you with the truth of the promise that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done or what you haven't done, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're not feeling, no matter what your circumstances are, help is on the way. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, help is on the way. God invites us to call out to him. To cry to him. He, he already has the answer. He already has all the right people, all the right organizations, all networked in and lined up and involved to bring a healing remedy to you when you cry out. A number of years ago, I was reading a story, and this is an old story, of an old preacher by the name of F.B. Meyer. And this is in the days before, before there were airplanes and we just had ocean liners and people sailed from continent to continent and those. And the position of a pastor or clergy had a lot more respect in those days than it does today. By the captain, he was invited to give a talk or an answered prayer while they were sailing across the ocean. Pretty, pretty apropos, you know, if, if you're going all the way across the ocean in those days. And he gave his talk or an answered prayer. And of course, one of the people who were there wasn't a believer. In fact, he was a well-known agnostic. And that afternoon, uh, he was asked, somebody said, well, what did you think of Dr. Meyer's talk or in prayer? And he says, well, you know me. He said, I'm an agnostic and I, I, really, I didn't believe a word of it. Later on that afternoon, the agnostic was in his room and he walked in and they'd set out a nice fruit bowl. And so he decided to just pick up two oranges and put them in his pocket and use them for later. And later on that afternoon, he was taking a stroll on the deck. And as he walked by, he saw an elderly woman who was covered up in a blanket uh, looking out over at the ocean, but she'd, she'd fallen asleep. And I guess he was kind of a prankster because the story goes, he took the two oranges out and he softly put them on her and then he walked away. Later on in the day, he came, he came walking by the deck again, and there she was, happily eating one of the oranges. And so he made a remark to her. He says, man, that orange looks good. And she says, yes, my father gave him to me. And he looked at her, and he said, well, surely, ma'am, your, your father can't still be alive. And she says, oh, sir, he's very much alive. And he says, well, what do you mean? The agnostic pressed the situation just a little bit farther, and this is what she said. She said, I've been seasick for the last three days, and I've been asking my heavenly father to somehow send me an orange. 
And while I fell asleep, and I, I, I was praying and I fell asleep on the deck. And when I awoke, I, I found that not only had he sent me one orange, but he'd sent me two. And the agnostic was speechless. Coincidence or the hand of God? I'm here to encourage you this morning to tell you that no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, you get to fill in the blank. Help is on the way. God has your number. When's the last time you called out to him? I mean, really. And I don't mean on your terms. I'm talking about a heart surrender to the real purpose and the real meaning and the real call that God has in your life. And, and if he did call you, would you hear him or would you screen his calls like you do others? I know the millennials are really good about screening calls. I have three daughters that fit that category. I text them, I get an answer, but sometimes when I get, give them telephone calls, they don't always respond to me. When God speaks these words that we're exploring in Jeremiah, remember, he's literally sitting in the courtyard of a prison. He's a prisoner, not because he's done anything wrong, but because he's done everything right. In fact, in his case, he's obeyed everything that God's asked him to do. And yet it's in the midst of this darkness that God extends this invitation to Jeremiah and invites him to pray by encouraging him, saying, Call unto me, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and hidden things that you've not known. Now, this is a tough passage. It's a tough passage, I think, that's meant to be applied to tough times in life because sometimes God calls us into, into difficult missions and tasks of life. But here's the good news. Everybody say good news. No matter what, help is on the way. How many of you believe in this Jeremiah 33 promise? I mean, really, really believe in it. I wonder how often we're like the children of Israel in the wilderness who who so quickly forget the things that God's done for us in the past. Man, I know I'm guilty of it. After Israel had just witnessed the powerful hand of God to deliver them from the hand of Egypt and the ten plagues and setting them free for the first time in over 400 years, they just seemed to abandon everything and misunderstand that the principle of walking with God means talking to Him, means having a life that's interactive with him. When they were thirsty, he supernaturally gave them water to drink from a rock. When they became hungry, he provided manna from heaven that was knee deep. And since they didn't have a GPS or a compass, God led them himself by, with, a, with, a, with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. <laughs> but it seems that each time trouble came their way, they so easily forgot the things that God had done for them and and they just turned around whining and belly aching and crying and complaining and, and even blaspheming to the point that they put plans together to get rid of God's leaders. Somewhere along the road of life, they became distracted with other things. They forgot about God and his invitation for them to cry out and to meet with him. And something caused them to forget this invitation to pray. I know that we don't do things like that. Not even when we find ourselves unmotivated to pray or when we're indulging in a little bit of self-pity. No, not us. And just in case that you are one of those, 
I know that we'd like to say that we don't do things like that, but just indulge me. When we find ourselves unmotivated to pray and indulging in a little self-pity as the wilderness wanderers did, let's remind ourselves of what God has already done and the prayers that he's already answered. I know that when I get down in the mouth about myself, about what I'm doing, things that are going on in my life, things that aren't going on in my life, that the best thing that J.R. can do is to grab my guitar and I sing a song called Thankful. It just talks about the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And it's a song that inside of me, it triggers this attitude of gratitude where I go back and I begin to rehearse all the things that God has done for me. From the time that I was a little boy all the way to the time that I'm up now. And I can tell you what, it changes my attitude. It might not change the situation that I'm in immediately, but it changes the way that I respond to it, and it changes the way that I react to it. Because my faith grows in what God has done and what I know He can do, and I become convinced of the fact that God is bigger than my situation, and that, say it with me, help is on the way. You know, God gave Jeremiah three reasons to pray. The first one was that God's call was personal. He says, the word of the Lord came to me. And I don't know how many times it says that in Jeremiah, but it's a lot. The word of the Lord came to me saying, call out to me. And what I want us to take home from this is that God initiates this call. And we're invited to respond to him. This is an invitation that he extends to us. And I want you to remember that he has your address. He he has your number filed under the family account in his, in his iPhone. I call it his G-phone. He's got your name, your family, your address, and everything that's going on. But is your, is your phone silenced or is it turned on? The second reason that he gives us to pray is, is that he tells Jeremiah that the call is based on his provision. It's not in and of ourselves. He's the one who's made us and formed us and established us in the power of his might to to hear his voice and to respond to his call and to live out the divine purpose that God has for our lives. The third reason that Jeremiah was called to pray, the reason that he had to pray, is God said, I'll answer you. Call out to me. I'll resource you. And I'll answer you. You know, I've learned that out of his love, he always promises what's best for us. That means sometimes his answer is yes, sometimes it's no, and other times it's you're just going to have to wait. And waiting means it might not even be my generation, and it might not be yours. It means waiting. Twenty years ago, I pulled this out of a file. I used this a long time ago. And it's, it was in 1997, written in July of 1997, out of Reader's Digest. And it was a story on prayer that talks about God initiating the call. To me, it speaks to this, that God's provision is what brings deliverance and healing to our situation, and that he returns our calls. And it goes like this. It says, later on a black and noiseless night in upstate New York, a young woman decided to take a shortcut home. 
and it was up a steep, unlit path, and she heard steps behind her, and as she began to listen more attentively, she realized that the steps were faster than her own. And in an instant, the man was upon her, and he grabbed the scarf that she was wearing, and he tightened it around her throat, and he began to rip at her clothes. Now, her mother, on the other side of New York, was asleep and tucked in bed at 1 o'clock in the morning. She was unexplainably woken up. She had this anxiety and the fear and this knowledge that her daughter was in trouble and she was to pray. And she reached over and she grabbed her Bible. She turned to Jeremiah 33.3. Not intentionally, that's just where the Bible turned. And she prayed that prayer. Call unto me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. And she did the only thing that a mother could do that was on the other side of the state. She just literally laid prostrate on her bed. And for 15 minutes, she was just overwhelmed with this feeling of fear that her daughter was in trouble. And after the 15 minutes, the same unexplainable way that she was woken up, an unexplainable peace came upon her. And the fear all went away. And she went back to sleep. She did the only thing that she could do. She dialed God's rendition of 911. She just luckily, or maybe providentially, turned to Jeremiah 33.3. The lady who was being attacked said all of a sudden the man who was attacking her lifted up his head and he cocked her to the right as if he saw someone who was bigger and stronger than him got up and just ran for his life. She was okay. 20 years later, mom and daughter are convinced that God heard their prayer. And when they called out to him, he heard them and delivered them from a situation that nobody else could. Now, all of us here this morning are facing something bigger than ourselves. Have you responded to God's invitation to Jeremiah 33.3? Have you put your call into him? God has your number. He has your address. He's calling you. Can you hear him now? <laughs>